Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. And this is also kind of a streaming service and chill because this gentleman's music is available across streaming platforms. And this gentleman is in particular St. Dion, a singer, songwriter, producer, actor, and all-around cool guy. Dion is based out of Anchorage, Alaska, and his most recent album, Nobody in Heaven, was released in July of 2020. By the way, it was also self-produced, something that we clarify uh, both points on this very podcast. This isn't so much of an interview as it is kind of a building session with one of the hottest new artists to come out of Anchorage since probably A. Marie. And there are reason folks like DJ Savvy and John from the 49th Supply Company have told me that I have to have him on the podcast. And I promise a real interview with St. Dion will be with you very soon. And until then, enjoy this conversation, enjoy the building session, and have the very best day ever. And stay tuned to the very end of the podcast for some words from our supporters. Also, be sure to check out the Patreon, which, by the way, is 100% free right now as we speak. And the links will be in the description, as well as links for Dion's music. All right. Have a great day. Get out there. Kick today's ass. Do not let it kick yours. And, yeah, yeah. Have a great day. Have the best one. The very best day ever of all time in the history of the universe. Nobody in the history of the universe, including myself, tomorrow is allowed to have a better day than the one that you are going to have today. Oh yeah, check out the YouTube channel. Again, links will be in the very description at the very bottom. Once you go to either the SoundCloud page or maybe even the uh, the Instagram page, at Podcast, or shoot me an email at WokenBakePodcast at gmail.com. So how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just waking up, getting ready to move, you know, living life. As as one will do until they're dead. Um, so, um, first off, people at home are, are listening or on their phones or, or watching on their, hopefully on a really nice 4K TV. Like, I really hope that this is what they're watching on a nice 4K. Who are you for those, uh, for those, who have no idea who who you are? Please explain. Right. Uh, I uh, I am Saint Dion. I am a rapper, producer, singer, writer, actor. You know, just a big fanatic of the arts. So, you know, uh, uh, I think the last the last project that a lot of people heard in the city was uh, No More uh, Nobody in Heaven, and I think that's kind of how. Everybody figured me out, so. So, so that was how um, I heard about your music. It was um, Nobody in Heaven. And so it was something that, that, that I listened to. And there was an, it, it made me sad that the stereo in my car is a piece of crap. But it made, me, it made me grateful that the one in my wife's car is much nicer. So that when my car... <laughs> inevitably took the gigantic poop that it did, I was able to then drive my wife's car with a much better sound system. Uh, and there are songs on the, on, um, on the album that I've kind of been waiting to talk to you about. 
Uh, and so I'm grateful to, to take the time. And I'm grateful to do it when you have more music uh, coming out. When you have new stuff coming out, I'm grateful to talk to you about that as well because you can, you can talk about both. Um, but songs like Media, um, coming, out, coming out around the time that it did, which um, the record came out in uh, April, if I'm not mistaken. Has it been that long? Uh, uh, nobody, uh, nobody in Heaven, I think, came out uh, July, first okay. week of July. All right, I was way off then. I don't know what I was looking at. <laughs> um, okay, so it came out in July. Really contentious time. I mean, uh, when were you recording the record? So a lot of the record, actually, so Nobody in Heaven, I began the concept of it in, I think, 2019, about September-ish. That's when I wrote the original version of Pride, because Pride was about, like, me and my dad falling out, and I wrote that right after uh, graduation. So that's the, when I had the whole idea for Pride and then a lot of the movements, a lot of the injustices in, of course, America. And that's when I finally would just, I was like, I need to take that energy and use my voice and put something together that really represents who I am as an artist and, you know, what my position is and that all of this, you know, mayhem. Um, so. Do you think that it was important for you as an artist to, uh, to make your voice heard uh, not just on on relations or not just on matters of like say social justice, but also on uh, relationships with uh, yeah. your father, with the people that are in your life. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure as an artist, it's important to share these things, but um, but reflecting on specific things does it make it a little bit harder? It, I mean, it. I guess reflecting on like very specific things in it the main overall message was mentality as well, because it's like, realistically, the only person you know is you. You don't know anybody else. You can try and put yourself into somebody else's perspective, but you'll never 100% know that perspective. That's why it's called nobody in heaven, because real, like in this mindset, there's nobody above you and there's nobody below you. So there's nobody above you. And the only thing above you really would be heaven or the sky and the Athens, you know? So it's just, that's why like I put it like that because it's about mentality and being more like, you know, more courageous in oneself rather than having to be a part of like this herd mentality, you know? So, um, so um, with a song like media, what were, can you talk about some of the influences on that one? Yeah. So a lot of the influences were, especially, you know, when there was a lot of the black lives matter uh, protests and then blue lives matter. And then a lot of these, you know, subsidies of Black Lives Matter. I guess that's not really a... I would say alt groups of Black Lives Matter uh, came about and in, in media like CNN, Fox, Breitbart, all these different, you know, news outlets, there will be the same story, but it'll be split from 15 different perspectives. And it's kind of like, that's why I split the song in three ways how I did, because I was telling the same story in each song but, like, from the perspective of, like, if I was CNN and I was, you know, extremely, extremely left, or if I was Fox and I was extremely right, you know, um, or if I was, like, Breitbart and just extremist. So it's, like, that's where the very last part of it, that's why it's so gruesome and so, like, dark because I'm trying to represent the pure darkness and misinformation in what is media. It's a, it's a really heavy concept, and it's one that we've, really had play out in front of our faces over the last um, year 
plus. One of, one of the things that I've seen in the media and, and this really crazy overreaching is, is you, you talk about uh, uh, different movements, whether it's Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, uh, whatever the group is. I understand what you're saying about the media because the, it, it seems like the media – well, the, I, I, worked in, uh, I worked in commercial radio for a little while. Right. And my experience with that is that it's um, your, your hour clock of a, uh, a news commentator is one hour that is broken down in 12-minute segments, right? And between those segments are commercials. And the job of the commentator is just to get a person to react. And everything about it, from the production of, um, of the video and how it's edited and chopped together, is to get you angry enough to stick around through the commercials so that you maybe you find out what the resolution is after the commercial break. And in the first commercial break, they'll sell you like uh, a Ford and then they'll sell you uh, a shitty chain restaurant and then they'll sell you like a heart medication. Now, you'll need the heart medication because you ate at the shitty restaurant. Uh, you're eating at the shitty restaurant and you're driving there in the Ford that you know, you're paying for for the next eight years. The next commercial, like after the like the next segment, when they're getting you even more jacked up and psyched up about whatever it is that you're supposed to be angry about, whether it's MSN, whether it's, uh, I feel bad for all of these human beings because their job is to be angry all the time. Like that's that's your occupation is one hour a day. You've got to be pissed off about the universe, right? And you've got to do it, and and that's your whole persona because all these folks have radio shows too. So they've got to be angry on there, and then they've got to be angry on TV, and then they've got to be angry in their book. And their entire universe is based on zero fucking joy. But that next commercial break is they sell you a slightly nicer car, and then they sell you a like a boner pill, and then they sell you um, a slightly better shitty chain restaurant. Right. And then they, they move into the next hour, and that cycle just repeats itself of, like, boner pills and heart medication, but you, you need to take the boner medication because the, the heart pill is fucking you up. The heart pill is fucking you up because you're taking an antidepressant because someone was able to convince you through manipulation on the television that you needed a right. $70,000 um, some mother lover of a son of a biscuit, right? The fat guy in the BMW, as Tim Ferriss calls it, you needed to be that guy. So instead of like going to the gym or listening to some music or creating something cool, painting your garage, whatever, um, it's it's um, it's keeping up with this fake ideal standard that is based on a, a fake concept of joy. It's uh, again, Tim Ferriss, uh, happiness over excitement. What you're actually seeking is excitement. Uh, happy is a vague term so you seek excitement and that's those are the things that that, that keep you alive um but if you're if you've got a seventy thousand dollar car payment and uh you know you've got a seventy thousand or a seven hundred thousand dollar or four hundred thousand dollar house payment or all of these things that you don't actually own you're essentially renting from a bank um right. you know and so you need all of these medications because you have all of these additional built-in stressors on your life. But it's how are you taking in the information that supposedly matters to you? Uh, and the other thing is, is most of the crazy shit that's happening isn't happening anywhere we live. 
So the people that live where we live are freaking out about something that doesn't exist to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's just, just a thought. So like from just kind of like from taking from that, like that was because like, it makes sense. So essentially like what I got from that was like that even like, you're saying like in the media, the smallest things have a long-term effect, like because it applies to like the min like the most minimal things in life. Because like what you're saying was like the stress relievers, and then everything else, how you have to pay off the lien holder from the, your car and this time the third, and then in the end, you're dealing with that as the aftermath of all of this. That's kind of what I got from that. It's I mean, pretty, it's crazy like how influence really just works though. That's why like media is such like the demon that it really is though. It's it's weird. I think part of it is making a point to put out good shit, right? right. Because ultimately, the the really the ultimate currency is time, right? And some folks' time is more valuable than others. Uh, some folks' time is going to have a, a, a more worthwhile, I don't know, shift and release into the universe. Some folks are just going to be consumers uh, of things until they figure out what it is that they can, what it is that they want to produce, the things that make them happy. Um, and I think it was important to talk to you because you, you make it a point to, to do your best to put out good shit. And, um, and, and I'm sharing that with you as, as probably not a guy that was, uh, I, I was probably not in mind uh, the, 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 the consumer that you were thinking about when, uh, you were writing, um, uh, when, when you were writing the album, when you were writing, um, sorry, pulling my phone, uh, nobody in heaven, but it was a very good album. Who did the, the production on it? So I actually produced, uh, nobody in heaven. Um, <clears throat> like that was something that honestly spent most of the time, most of the, uh, most of the time that I spent on the album was, more on production really than it was writing because writing was from most of the songs were just from like a lot of poetry that I had wrote, uh, written previously and concepts that I written down and I just morphed them into full songs. Um, I would say that the song that honestly took the longest on that project was probably yes. I think that like that was the hardest one for me. Um, the, the, but the, the two songs that, um, were produced with my friends as well was, uh, ML Tyler on North Bun. He helped me with the first beat. And then, uh, Huss from Vitus. He, uh, it's like my brother, but he actually fully produced like the, the song, Nobody in Heaven. Like that was his whole idea. Like the whole production, the arrangement, everything. That was like his idea. And it was a it was killer so but yeah no uh that album yeah <laughs> how important was it for you to not sound like anyone else uh i mean not just coming out of anchorage i mean it's a big part of it because they're they're not a lot of i mean they're a lot but they're not a lot of musical influences in anchorage right. um so your album doesn't sound uh, like it was produced by anyone else than whoever it was produced by. Um, right. 
but it was it was really good. That's why I had to ask. So then moving on to questions I normally save for like producers is uh, what software are you using? And then moving on to hardware. So the software that I use, I use FL20. Um, and then I, uh, that's the doll that I use. And then I was messing around with Ableton for a little bit, but that's not, it's not really, <laughs> I can't do nothing with that. Um, Studio, Studio One, Five, or uh, I think it was Five that just came out. I was messing with the free trial with that, just kind of like, because I know Raw Beats uses it, so I was uh, trying to, I guess, producing that for a second, but like, usually FL Studios. So who are the producers that influenced you? Um, biggest producers over time, honestly, um, I would say Jay Dilla, Kanye, definitely Kanye. Um, I would say Bon Iver. And then I would go honestly as back to say as like, because I grew up on like indie music and EDM. So I would say Dead Mouse, you know, Dodge and Fuski, like a lot of these like people out there, you know, because like that's especially with um, a lot of the transitioning and the building around Nobody in Heaven was I built it like in post to try and have more of an EDM transitions between things like on OBA, the beginning where it had like a, the granular synth on my vocals. And then like a, like the theme that I was trying to do was like have it. So it's like a whole fever dream all the way across. And like, it was easier to kind of think of like the hip hop structure, but switch it into like EDM, like an EDM build. It worked. It worked. I think the two sounds very much go together. Uh, the, the, the trap soul sound, uh, I think, was probably very important to that in the last five years. Uh, but that even right. echoes back to, like, early 90s house, just uh, uh, moving R&B um, and, and that, that thumping, like, 808 just together um, with sort of danceable movement. I mean, and Vogue killed it, dude. Um so I, I think it's important to, I mean, A, to do what works, but to do what's also different. Um, right. As an artist, uh, from the perspective of a, a, I have a hard time saying like, you know, saying, uh, you know, like describing as one thing or the other, um, but as an artist, who are some of the artists that influenced you uh, rather than just producers? Rather than producers, I would say Frank Ocean, um, Kanye West, Tyler, the creator, like more in that kind of like side. Cause I really like the anti-pop and like how raw they are with what they say and how raw their production is. Like, I'm not really the biggest fan of like, you know, like pop production or just something that's like too simple. So like, I really love their sound for just how raw it sounds. And like, I really love them as artists, like their writing and everything, like, especially like, you know, like, I would say older Kanye, especially when he was going deeper in depth about, like, the things that were just, like, happening around him, and he would explain it in such unnecessarily detail, like, and it was just, it's crazy, and then you have Frank Ocean, who, with his words, will pull you into a track and make you swim with him, like, that's, it's just absolutely insane, and Tyler, the creator, where it's, like, he has this ability to morph into different characters and songs, and you wouldn't even notice, like, it's just crazy. And uh, I would say Kendrick Lamar on that same like pedestal of that as well, because of just like being able to build into like different characters and everything. And that's just something that I thought like, and I think is insane. 
but those are my favorite artists. So if you're looking for um, for a good source of, of that sound, I, I would recommend uh, checking out Roy Ayers. He's a, a kind of West Coast jazz legend. Uh, just released mm -hmm. a record last year um, with um, Adrian Young and Ali Shaheed Muhammad uh, from Tribe Called Quest on their Jazz is Dead label. But Roy Ayers is a... R O Y Y E R S. Y E R S. Oh, wow! I'll definitely check it out. So. Yeah, and, and by all means, let me know what you think. Um, he was a heavy influence on on the early melodies of uh, that that made Dre popular, along with guys like uh, Erotic B and a whole bunch of other guys who's probably like these guys' names get hit missed in the the history books, but for for that that early. West Coast jazz influence that you got with the melodies of someone like DJ Quick, right. who's a fucking genius. Um, and I think the modern equivalent of that is Flying Lotus. Um, I love Flying Lotus so much. <laughs> Kintronada, Flying Lotus, like everybody from Selection, like when that was like a label that that everybody in that group was so raw. Like the <laughs> man. I honestly um, think like Flying Lotus is like a modern day uh, Jay Dilla. Like I would go that far. It's a weird thing. I would, I would like to hear more from Flying Lotus, but that's just because I really like Flying Lotus. Yeah, and and I I love. And it, it, it breaks my heart saying this, but I love that all the time we're coming across like old beat tapes from Dilla and, and folks are finding new ways to kind of repurpose them and, and give them new life or that we're getting them. But, um, man, yeah, I would, I would go even further back and say maybe, um, Without without the shooting women, almost uh, I I would compare Flying Lotus just as much to someone like Phil Spector and his Wall of Sound, uh, the way that he just kind of created uh, a univer a universe in which the songs could live in. And if you were listening with good headphones and if you had a chance to really enjoy, that's how the music the music was meant to be blared out of everything, but the music was meant to be enjoyed with a pair of good headphones, which is I, I think the ideal way to listen to music. And when you're listening to someone like uh, like Kay Trotta or, um, or Sturgill Simpson, who's uh, kind of a weird alt rock country singer, like when you listen to him with headphones, you get it. Like, oh shit, like, I I didn't get it before, now I get it. Bur put on some incense and maybe cook a meal. I don't know. But it's, <laughs> but it, but it's, it's a good record. I sent it good to my, um, my 15 year old son, who, who, by the way, my, my rap taste is nothing like his. Um, he, he hates, he hates the shit that I love and it's cool. He's still my son, I love him. Um, <laughs> But but your record was one that we could agree on was a good record. I appreciate that. So so uh, bringing bringing families together. Um, were there any incidences, um, anything specific to your life that influenced you to become um, an artist? Were, I mean, were there, were there any things like I could go this, I could be an accountant, or you know, and I'm just going to do this. 
So uh, there's actually a lot of all right. So so pretty much, um, I always wanted to do sports, but my mom never let me do it because she was like, "You're gonna get injured, da 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 da. You're gonna be living out of a tube type stuff." Right. So I'm just like, I don't. Anyways, so pretty much, um, I ended up doing music. Like I got, I was singing in second grade. I went to Wonder Park Elementary, and then I. I sang for I sang with uh, this other girl, and we did um, "We Are the World." No, 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 darn it! It's a Louis Armstrong song. Why am I blinking right now? It's it's awful. Anyways, we sing it. What a wonderful world! That's yep. It was that. Did you have to do the voice? So, I was like, I tried to like when I was in third grade. It was awful because like. No no sign of puberty. Puberty was like far out the other window. So like it was just like it was it was probably very cute, but it was it's probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever did. But so I did that, and then after that, I got a um, a scholarship fully paid off from uh, to go to Alaska Children's Choir, where I was trained in opera singing by Janet Stotts, uh, and I was in there for. I think a year, year and a half, and then after that, uh, like that, I I performed in the mass, I performed in churches, like so. I was actually like classically trained in opera um, before all this, and so like that's kind of like when I started like delving deeper into like music, because I was like, ah, oh, I want to start like recording my own stuff. So then I met uh, Vincent Zakai. And uh, who were my best friends in middle school, and they used to break dance and all this other stuff. And like I was just this big, big old kid. Like I couldn't break dance for anything. I could hit a nice belly spin, but that was it. <laughs> and you know, so I started producing beats for them. I got this app on my phone called Beatmaker Two, and so I was just like, all right, cool. I'm gonna start making some like whatever. I just playing around. And I used to make beats for them to like break dance and stuff too. And then after that, I was like, all right, well, what if I start recording? So I had the, you know, the stock Apple headphones with the mic right here. I started recording with that. I got a couple songs like <laughs> from that era on uh, Spotify under my old name. It's, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to need that much. link. I'm going to need that link, man. You're gonna have to arm wrestle me for that. I don't give that out to anybody. <laughs> oh, shit. I'll be in Anchorage soon and we can do this. We can we can do this. We can find a, a cool restaurant. We can we can have my like my very cool bride hand the hold the camera and we can do this. And like and if I win, and if I win, we've gotta get that link uh to post up on uh, on on the on the Instagram. Oh. It's gonna be great. <laughs> This is, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, and if I do it, if I do this, right, if I beat you, not only will you share that link, I will share uh, my rap demo from 2003. Please, all right, bet. So, like, is that the trade-off? So, if I beat you, I get to listen. You, you're dropping your 2003 rap demo. If, if I win, like, I'm telling you, I'm doubling down. I You have Z, you have jack shit to lose if you lose right if you lose if you if you lose it's you know like 
it's whatever. The link's already out there. The Spotify's up. There's, I mean, there's a ton of music on Spotify, and it would be hard to go through X and X and X and X and X and let me let me find this kid. Well, I will say the name is pretty specific, so when you put it in, it's the only thing there. So. Okay. All right, I want to thank my guest, St. Dion, for taking the time to sit down and build with me. I'd also like to thank my supporters. Well, the big two right now, Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KP Drive, behind Save You, Ma- uh, Save you Mirror. Save You More. I was there today with young Hickson. He was strapped to my chest. We took a quick little walk to nowhere because it is three below today in our lovely Kenai, on our lovely Kenai Peninsula. If we're in a bubble, if it turns out we actually are on a flat earth uh, inside of like a shell, like a dome in space, then I guess we were in the Kenai Peninsula. Otherwise, we are on the Kenai Peninsula. But again, if we're in a shell, then we're in a shell and we'll find out at some point or we won't and the mystery will just continue. All right, so Iron Asylum is located at 35165 KB Drive behind Save You More. Hicks and I were there. We took the long walk to nowhere, and it wasn't even a long walk. It was only like 20 minutes. He was strapped to my chest. I did some stretching, and then, yeah, we went back to doing dad and baby stuff because that's kind of what we did. But we spent probably about 30 minutes there, 45 minutes, but a lot of stretching, a little bit of walking to nowhere. It was cool. We had a good time. And then we went back to uh, daddy baby stuff because there's only so much walking around to nowhere that a baby can do. But he was pretty pooped from it. So, you know, that was cool. He he slept like a baby, which I'm, I'm glad he was able to sleep like a baby after that long walk to nowhere. Which, by the way, we listened to some Vinnie Paz. And if you have not listened to anything from Vinnie Paz, start with Tongue and Death Grips and go from there. All right, but I was there. I was at Iron Asylum, uh, and you should go there too. And up until the very end of this month, they've got a Fuck 2020 um, deal, special, going on. For $500 for the year, that is a full year of gym membership at Iron Asylum. $1,500 for a family of up to five. So if you are looking to get your sweet ass into the gym to make it an even sweeter ass... Well, here is your opportunity to uh, to to sweeten that ass. All right, that is Iron Asylum at three five one six five KB Drive. The number to call nine zero seven nine five three four seven two zero. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Iron Asylum. I'm sorry, at Iron Asylum Gym. AK, I believe. Just follow me on Instagram and then follow them from there. That's the easiest way to do it. At Woken Bake Podcast or at Streaming Service and Chill. And then follow uh, Iron Asylum from there. All right, moving on. Dun, 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 dun. This is pretty cool. 10th Planet Sold Dotna going on Saturday the 30th. I'll have more specifics uh, later on today, and I'll be posting them up on our Instagram page. But I feel like I should know this off the top of my head anyway. But it is, without a doubt, Alaska's Baddest Blue happening this Saturday at All-American Training Center, put on by 10th Planet Soldatna and head coach Curtis Embroff. Now, if you have never made it to 10th Planet Soldatna, they are located in All-American Training Center, and I would highly recommend checking them out. Kids' classes and adult classes are currently being taught, 
and co-taught. I don't know if you would have a co-teacher, a vice teacher, not even a substitute teacher. She's not that. It's Coach Jordan. She's working with some of the kids. She's also working on some of the adults. She is a bad human being, uh, as long as well as uh, Curtis Hembroff, just kind of running things over there at 10th Planet Soldat. Now, classes kick off at 7. They move on to a little after 8 with some good rolling in there. And then this Saturday, boom, ladies, gents, others, Alaska's baddest blue with cash prizes. Curtis wants to find out who the baddest of the badass blue belts are in the great state of Alaska. Cash prizes for the competitors. All you got to do is win, and you cannot win if you don't compete. Now, Curtis made a really good point on the podcast a couple days ago that you can get some, like, five dollar medal that was bought off the internet or you can get some actual cash in your hand it's your choice but one is way way cooler than the other because it's like a real prize plus plus he's got the big checks he went out and he got those big checks and a big check that says you're alaska's baddest jujitsu blue belt it's pretty cool It's, it's a pretty damn cool check i don't have one i don't i don't i don't imagine myself getting one but you could get one providing you are a blue belt, or probably below. If you're a white belt, you could probably still swing it, as long as you're not like a sandbag and white belt. Um, and if you're a sandbag and blue belt, you can still participate in Alaska's Baddest Blue. You, you know what? Sandbag all you want. We'll see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, aside from death. I guess death. But even that's not the worst. There's way worse things than death that, uh, that can happen. All right, folks. Thanks for checking out Woke and Baked. Thanks for my uh, to my guest Saint Dion, and thank you very much, you for listening this long. I appreciate it. You're beautiful, and I love you so much. All right, check the links in the description for everything that we discussed today, or at least some of the stuff we talked about. All right. Later, Gator. <laughs>